Welcome to the Sober Community Channel, where our goal is to open minds and soften hearts concerning one of the greatest healthcare crises facing our country, which is addiction to drugs and alcohol. Hello and welcome back to Bigger Than Me. It's Rocky and I'm here again with Bree. Bree, what are we talking about today? Character defects. Why do I feel overqualified for this conversation? Uh, so do I. It's okay. Okay. I think, I think we all do. <laughs> Fantastic. So, so, geez, there's so many places to start. Yeah. Um, defects, defects, defects. So I have here in this, just the outline. Mm-hmm. How defects can be broken down into four cardinal defects. How being aware of defects can be is the first part. So obviously, we're probably going to touch on step six and seven. Yeah. In this conversation, right? And those are like, ironically, the the biggest change steps. Right? When the twelve and twelve says, these are the steps that separate the boys from the men or the you know women from the girls. But in the book, they are literally the smallest in the book. They're like, well, minus step. Eight, which is three sentences, but there are only two paragraphs, both step six and seven. Mm-hmm. So I, I think kind of like Bill Wilson's setup. Like if he told us what was really in there, like I'm not really so sure. Yeah, like I, I, no, <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't, I don't know if I can do this. We can come back to this. Um, so I love the idea of it being reduced down to four because there are so many different ways and so many different misconceptions about step six and seven. So. You know, when I first did my fifth step, I remember the first one that I thought that there was a million things wrong with me. Oh, I thought everything was wrong with me. I just so thought much. I was like the scum of the earth. Right, right. And 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 as I go through that, thank God for good sponsorship, what's pointed out to me by the time we get to the last column is that I really only have a handful of issues, right? So it's, you know, resentment, fear, dishonesty, selfishness. But they happen to bleed into every aspect of my life. Mm-hmm. Everything can be narrowed back down to those things. Every relationship is permeated with them. Every single interaction I have with people. So from that perspective, it looks like a million things. But if I deal with the four, which I don't work on them, right? We turn them over to God or whatever you consider God to be. It seems to be able to handle itself in multiple areas. So I'm going to definitely talk about some some ways that we can do that where I don't feel overwhelmed because that would be a normal thought and then I think I get a defect down and then it seems to turn into this game like a -a whack-a-mole like you get one down but then another one crops up and then you got to hit that (laughs) one down but then another one pops up and you're just you're all over the place it's not it you're never going to be perfect and I think that that's what we try and a lot of people feel like they're failing because they try and achieve oh I'm this perfect altruistic human being but like at the end of the day what were the last two words human being right yeah, and, and, and that whole thing is I, the best I can strive for in this regard is perfect in my imperfections, mm-hmm. right? Is that the fact that I am going to be human. I am going to fall short, but that I continuously try. And that's where it, I love the 12 12 for so many reasons, but it talks about the idealist perfection. It talks about, you know, we, we start in the big book with this standard of progress towards perfection. Mm-hmm. And then Bill comes in 13 years later and elevates the standard to progress towards perfection. So there's this fine balance of striving for the perfect ideal, knowing that I'm going to fall short, but not using falling short to go, well, I'm not perfect, and then just lead the charge. Into yeah, and just throw everything away and be like, oh, well, you know what? I'm not a perfect person, so I'm not even going to try. Right, right. So, yeah, it's interesting. In there, and let's talk about some of the other ways to work step six and seven because... <laughs> 
I have seen so many things like, you know, people who, and I'm not saying it's wrong. It just seems painful to me. But when you, when you get handed a basket of 87 defects of character, and then you go and fold one in your pocket and work on that one that day, it seems like anything that I focus on, I manifest and materialize into my life. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, this is the great part where we don't actually necessarily work on them. We, we work in the fifth step with transparency and mindfulness and awareness of these things. And then, you know, here, my, my experience is that the, you know, we don't work step six or seven. Step six turns around and works us. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, when I see the pain in the eyes of my friends, my family, my lover, and I'm falling short in ways that I don't want to be falling short, but it's no longer about drugs and alcohol. It's about other things, right? At that point, my powerlessness in the face of these defects is revealed. And at that point, I get to the point of just like with the drugs, right? When the pain of of staying the same is outweighed by the pain of changing, then I actually begin to surrender some of these things. So in, in, in my view and experience, Step six is the step one of the spiritual realm. I've actually begun to look at this stuff, and now I see the underlying issues. The spiritual malady, you know, manifests itself through these defects of character. And when I face the powerlessness of my behavior in, in regards to how I live with other people, I then have a moment to surrender to it as a result of the crushing things that it brings into my life. I once heard that a defect of character is something that I like about myself that other people find objectionable. Mm. <laughs> There's quite a bit of stuff there, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it talks about in the, I'm just really, really fan of the the twelve and twelve in this regard because he really lays it down that uh, you know nobody wants to be so lustful that he's looked at as a rapist or so angry that he's looked at as the murderous uh, as a murderer. But at the same time, there are defects that we find quite pleasurable, right? Like nobody wants to be totally devoid of lust or totally devoid of pride. It, it feels good to to feel better than other people, and and there goes the problem. There's defects that I'm I'm not going to want to let go of, and the and the, the the prayer in the big book is talks about well if I'm not willing to let go of these, I should pray for the willingness, mm-hmm. right? And there have been times in my life where I've had to pray for the willingness to be willing because I didn't give up and I just I want to run with this. I'm yeah, like I, like I, I, <laughs> I need it. Yeah, I, I need I, to be angry right now. <laughs> right, my feelings are valid. Right, and, and, <laughs> and, and then that usually doesn't go well for me. I, you know, when I'm blinded by emotion, I don't make the best decisions for myself and for other people. No, nobody usually does. Right, so so these, you know, dishonesty, resentment, fear, selfishness, the cardinal four. He expounds on that later bill I'm talking about and jumps into the seven you know, deadly sins and uses the Christian terminology of these mm-hmm. things. But the reality is there, these are anything that holds me back from a loving relationship with myself and other people. And, and, and I like the dishonesty, resentment, and fear and selfishness because when they're inverted and turned inwards, I get to see that every single thing, like anybody who lies to somebody has first sold themselves a lie as to why they need to lie to somebody else. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my you know my eyes tell me that you know I, I live close to the ocean. Sometimes I go and, and watch the sunrise, and my eyes are actually tell me that the sun is coming out of the ocean, you know that it's actually going across the sky. When the truth is, it's not moving at all. The Earth is yeah, you know, the Earth rotating. is rotating. Right, and, like and, no, the su- the sun sleeps in the ocean at night. Right, and <laughs> now it's getting up. He's getting up and he's saying good morning to me. Yes, right, and uh, <laughs> from the ocean. Right, and you know my body literally tells me right now that we're sitting still. But the truth is we're actually revolving at over a thousand miles an hour on this planet. Just can't feel it. So if my eyes and my body lie to me, right, why would my why, why would my, my mind, mind? Right, <laughs> not trick me in the same regard? Uh-huh. Which I believe everybody lives in their own spiritual blind spot. 
right? So that's why, you know, most crashes happen when people are changing lanes. There's just a part of my life, in the same analogy of driving a car, that I cannot see. And I think that's why we need each other, right? So if I have good sponsorship, good peer supports, people that I trust who are self-aware, usually when I'm blindsided by life, it's the emotions that are blindsiding me and their impartiality to my circumstances gives them the sight of my blind spot. That, that column in the four step that talks about we were prepared to look at this from an, like another angle. We're talking about the helicopter view of life. Nobody ever gives a traffic report, no news station does it, from a newscaster in a car, in traffic, who can't even see the actual problem two miles ahead. No, he's like, it's up there. I know that there's a lot of stuff going <laughs> right. on. You know, some people are probably hurt. Let's hope that they're okay. But uh, yeah, there, there, there's right. some things, there's some stuff. <laughs> All you can report is I'm sitting here doing zero for the last 45 minutes. Not entirely helpful. Yeah, right? now I'm angry, now I'm hungry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hungry, angry, lonely, and tired here, mm -hmm. right? And uh, Sir Holt. But right the guy here. in the helicopter, he's like, this is exactly the lay of what I see going on. Mm -hmm. Anybody else, it doesn't even matter how new they are to the process, but if they're even involved in spiritual growth, they probably can see my life at times more accurately than I can. Because right? they're, they're not involved. Yeah, the, the, the power of people. We need each other in that regard. So one of the best defenses against defects of character is really surrendering to other people's perception with an open mind and hearing some of the harder truths about those kind of things. You know, What's your experience with step six and seven? Mm, that I thought that I had a whole laundry list of defects, you know, being selfish, being self-seeking, being a perfectionist, you know, fear of this, fear of that, fear, 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 fear. But then like a lot of it just comes back down to like, I couldn't be honest for a really long time. Right. I harbored a lot of resentments towards myself, towards other people, towards things that had happened, towards things that didn't happen. And that a lot of it comes mainly back down to like fear. Yeah. He he uh, and again Bill in the that step seven, I believe it was, he talks about Self-centered fear is the chief activator of all of our defects. Exactly. Yeah, so I walked through how kind of dishonesty, you know, from a different perception. Because I, I fear at. being honest. Right, yeah, exactly. And, and, and it's always <laughs> about me. I'm never concerned <clears throat> with other people's problems to the regard that I am with my own. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember that, uh, you know, whatever our gripes or protestations, the book says, it says, are we not mostly concerned with ourselves? You know, I remember moving to Boca Raton, Florida and living in a local fraction resort and, and, and thinking like this is where I'm starting my whole spiritual lifestyle. And then I would see the guy who's my age, I'm 29, starting my life over again and he looks 25 and he's in a Ferrari in Meisner Park with, you know, a beautiful woman and going to a fancy restaurant and I'm a waiter about to get fired for the second time. You know, and I'm like, that guy has my life. Right? But I've watched, you know, in my insomnia, bipolar, or addiction at 3 o'clock in the morning a thousand times the commercials of the little kid in Africa with the bloated belly for malnutrition and flies in his eyes. And I've never turned and been like, well, that guy has my life. Yeah. Never happens. That way. I'm always concerned with what I'm not getting or what I'm about to lose or, or those kind of things. And, and, and just to, that's the dishonesty factor. Like, that whole thing of, like, my life is probably much better than I believe it to be. That's another avenue of the dishonesty that, that I can't see. The resentment piece, is, I was always taught, if you have a problem with a step, back up to the step prior to it, right? And, and resentment from the, the defects of character is like, when I'm really resentful at somebody or something, it's a four-step issue in that moment, 
right? We've given the answers by, you know, we ask God to show them same patience, tolerance, pity. We would cheerfully grant a sick friend. But when I'm not willing to do that, which now becomes a step six issue, mm-hmm. the reality is I need to go back to three. And, and here's what it is. I'm not, I'm mad at somebody because I have, just like step two talks about kind of in three, I've played God. I have found them guilty. I have judged them, found yes. them guilty. And now I want to also persecute them. Right, and now I want to punish them. So this would be great. <laughs> Which literally is a great way to punish myself. We've all talked about that. You know, resentment is like drinking poison and expecting, expecting the, the other, other person, person to die. die. Now I need to be backed up to three and go, where am I? How, how is that judgment possibly accurate when I can't tell past, present, and future the implications of all the things that they're doing? But I'm saying what they're doing is wrong. And I have no idea what God is doing behind the scenes and how even using our deep of character to better other people's lives so step seven talks about that when it talks about god please remove the defects of character which stand in the way of usefulness to you and my fellows that implies i have defects that are useful which means sometimes i'm going to be everybody's an example in aa of of either what to do or what not to do Mm -hmm. and god has a very merciful humorous way of teaching some people what not to do and it's a very mixed breed with my (laughs) my, yeah and as long as i keep the perception on myself i get to see where oh i am being an awesome example of what not to do here Mm -hmm. and when we stay in the whole 10 11 and 12 which always comes back to six and seven all this stuff comes back to six and seven i get an opportunity to re-surrender and put those things at the altar of whatever my higher power is and say please remove this yeah please remove this because it's showing up yeah it's showing up as a reoccurring theme these are always patterns it's you know i thought in that four step i've talked about before like that i had 20 sick girlfriends right in my whole life what but really what's I the had, common denominator it's rocky right mm-hmm. i had one sick relationship with 20 victims yeah right and then i, I got and you to just keep it's just a pattern you just keep reliving these things and then you wonder why you're getting the same result in all of these different areas right right so so now to kind of tie back in that whole dishonesty the resentment we talked about the dishonesty how i lie to myself that defective character then owns me and then i do things based on what i the way i want to script the world to be mm-hmm. right and what my perception of what needs to be done in this particular situation with these particular people and how i can manipulate and do this and do that to get it to work out exactly how i want it to right right and then and then the resentment is i i am under the understanding that i know exactly what's right both for me and for everybody else involved mm-hmm. they're not freaking behaving right no, so get it together right so i'm going to hold it against them and 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 there's that level of i mean i can't even have an honest resentment so those all of these four defects kind of blend right into each other and then the fear which is you know says what self-centered fear is the chief activator of all our defects and then they also say that it is the evil and corrosive thread the fabric of our existence was shot through with fear all fear is dishonest per se we talk about fear there's healthy fear and unhealthy fear mm-hmm. i'm talking about the unhealthy fears like if you are on an expedition and you walk into a polar bear which can eat a man and sometimes they do yeah like disembowel you on the spot right and you are no fear something's Something's, wrong yeah you're broken in some regard like you should have a fear of that right but when you have a fear of like how many of us are like you know we fantasize whether it's in a meeting about that perfect mate that's across the room right we attach all the magical qualities to them and they're like perfect but i've only been in all these messed up relationships but i I see that hey that person is employed they speak well they talk about spiritual stuff they seem to be living a great life i will never talk to them 
Nope. Mm-mm. Nope. <laughs> I see the broken one with the leg over here. I'm like, hey, what are you doing Saturday? Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, he, you just said that you want to get high. I feel like, <coughs> Mike, we should get together and talk about it. Let's go do a fist up on the patio. Mm-hmm. Right, because it's meant to be. Right? So the fear is, like, I won't go for the things that I really feel that I want in life, and I reject myself, and then I said the world always continuously rejects me. Right? These, these fear things that are not based in reality, all fear seems to come down to, if we all say that God is everything, omnis- omnip- om- omnipotent, omnipotent, uh, Omnipotent. Omnipotent and omnipotent. What is, what's that word? All powerful and all loving. Those two. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing. If God is all powerful and all loving and I'm God's child, why would I have any fear? Any fear would have to be related to either God is indifferent to my problems, which means not all loving, or God loves me and wants the best for me, but is not all powerful and can't generate those circumstances in my life for my abundance. And that doesn't mean physically or wealthy, but in life in general, an abundant lifestyle. But then it comes back down to faith. Absolutely. And faith Absolutely. without works is dead because if you, you can't just sit there and be like, okay, God, take all my defects. I'm still going to act like a grade A jerk off. Right. But, like, why aren't you taking these things from me? Right, and we won't surrender those things to lives. We, we, because of the fear, we take control of them, and it, and it says the show doesn't usually come off very well. No. You know, oftentimes it's presented that the opposite of fear is faith. I believe that there's truth to that, but also courage is really, really a part of that when it comes to the defect of character. Because, you know, I, I've heard people saying it sounds cute. You know, faith, uh, no, fear knocked on the door, faith answered, and nobody was there. Right. I've had plenty of experiences in my life where I was afraid. Uh, and, yeah. <laughs> right. And and I employed decisions which were faith-based. That took courage to do those things, right? So so when the big book talks about fear and it gives our instructions on that defect of character, what it says is ask God to remove the fear and turn our attention towards what God would have us be. So that implies that courage is the antithesis of the fear. And obviously I would have to have faith to employ the courage, mm-hmm. right? But if you have faith but you don't have the courage to get off the couch and take the action... It then you're not, it it's like not going to go anywhere. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's going to work. That's like having a car with a full tank of gas but no key. Right, right. And so that's the, the third of the cardinal defects, right? And then selfishness. Everything mm-hmm. in my life is seen through the lens of me. Right, what, what, what am I going to get? What am I going to lose? What are people going to find out about me under the basis of which they will reject me? All of that stuff that's always about me, so to speak. And then we, we've already, if we're at six, chances are we've done three. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, God, I offer myself to thee, right, to build with me and do what thou wilt, right? So right in the first line, the implication is, God, I offer myself to you means I don't belong to me. I belong to God. In theory, my life is not my own business. How much time have I spent trying to manipulate, manipulate the reputation of other people about me by acting, speaking, dressing, whatever it is in a certain way because I want them to like me or not reject me. Yeah, I just want to be accepted by this person so I have to be this way and do these things. But this person, it's different, so now I have to tweak it. But then who the hell am I? Right. So so if that whole concept is really done well and fully surrendered, which I don't think everybody does perfectly at all moments, but in those moments, if my life is really not any of my business, what other people think about me is definitely not any of my business. No. And I don't use that in that that fashion that a lot of people do, which was, I don't care what other people think of me. It's relevant because I want to be able to see myself accurately. And then even people who are 
haters because taters going to tate, right? And if you don't have any haters, you're not doing something at all in this world. I want to filter through their whatever their stuff is and see if there's any truth in that stuff. There's value to that too. So I never disregard what other people say or think. I just don't make my life decisions. Yeah, I don't base my value in that anymore. Right, right. I, I see you have here the assets to these defects. Mm -hmm. This is the opposite of the defects? Yes. I like that. What, what are those? They're honesty, forgiving, confident, courageous, altruistic, slash concern for others. So in the face of my dishonesty, I want to deploy honesty. Mm -hmm. In the face of my resentment, I want to deploy forgiveness. Yep. In the face of my fear, I want to employ courage. And the opposite of my selfishness would be altruism. Mm-hmm. I like that. So let's kind of tie this all in, right? If, if <clears throat> It's funny, I didn't see this for a very long time, but I was told later that the, the thing the steps are truly about is character. And the evidence of that is, and just side note, character defects, shortcomings, same, same thing, thing. Same thing. Just didn't Wait. want to double, just didn't Bill want the same word. <laughs> in the interest of staying prolific, Bill does not repeat words, yes. right? So so if if at the meat of the program, the heart of this is, is step six and seven, right? And we're talking about defects of character, right? Which are things that are the, the holes of the not completeness of my character, right? So then that must mean that the 12 steps are in essence a character building process. Yeah, because yeah. we don't we don't live with when you know we're in the middle of drinking and drugging. We don't really have a character. We don't really have morals. We're literally just a sponge for whatever substance we put in our body and however we need to get that, that's how we do it. Yeah, the chameleon that just changes anywhere, right? It, mm -hmm. It's at best situational ethics, right? Yeah. If that at all, right? Because when I first started doing this, I I had no idea who I was. Yeah, there's nothing there there's no moral truth and fiber to stand upon where I have a principles that run my life and then I don't waver from the principles and the principles determine how I make different decisions in different areas of my life but the one unwavering part is the principle right mm -hmm. so so in step six and seven if this is a character building process it's funny because they look so theoretical and not action steps right and in some essence they're not in some essence step six is just this becoming willing right and how does that happen by failing, mm -hmm. by failing to to be loving and kind towards certain people, by failing to be have fidelity in my relationships, whatever the way that works out for people. <clears throat> and without judgment of myself, I just assess that stuff with help of other people, and then we get to seven. And seven is is this whole thing like it's it looks again like this, it's just a prayer in the book, right? It's just mm -hmm. it, the funny thing is it's the same prayer as step three. Right, I'm coming back to you, but now all of me, good and bad, I'm giving to you. Right, remove these defects of character which stand in the way of my usefulness. So it looks like what work is there to be done there? And it turns out that I'm only, as opposed to like calling myself a piece of crap, right, or, or all of this professing of sickness and unwellness, the reality is I'm broken in some ways and I definitely can turn this over to whatever my higher power is in order to fix it and... And, 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 and help mold me into... Into what the, I need to be. Which is the character of a higher power as we, we see it, mm -hmm. right? To emulate that whole thing. Like we're a child of that. And to move closer towards that image. So so what's the work of step seven? It turns out that I'm, I'm honest uh, in ways that I haven't been honest before. So if I have a story I've been telling about how I, I remember back in Nam when I jumped on a grenade to save my platoon and I wasn't in Nam, right? When I start to tell that story again, because this is going to happen. It's just, this is the moment where I tell that whole story. I catch myself in the moment and go, 
that never happened. I'm lying right now. I don't even yeah. know why I feel the need to lie to you about this or whatever. Yeah, I like sometimes like, like I'll say something right. and I'll be like, I, I lied. Like, that I'm is not, not even a true yeah. story. Yeah. <laughs> I like the story, but it's not true. Yeah, this never happened. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> catch, catch myself in those moments and that's the work part, right? And so what happens is if you look at this like the scales of justice mm -hmm. right I go from predominantly a selfish person to predominantly a selfless person from predominantly a dishonest person to predominantly honest. honest right predominantly from resentful to predominantly forgiving right and I continue to move that predominantly fear-based to predominantly courageous and over time and that's that's the scales I mean I love that analogy that I think it was Michelangelo who made the statue David mm -hmm. and they asked him you know, you made such a perfect statue. How did you do that? And he said, I didn't make David. David was already in the stone. I just chipped away at everything that wasn't David, right? And so that's within every human being is that intrinsic greatness that's already there. They talk about deep down within every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God, right? It's already there. In the final analysis, it was already there. So I picture like a diamond in every single human being. And it's not about, you know, God coming into us. It's about God is already there. And, and we and, have to break away all these other things to let God yeah, out through us. Yeah, the soot on the diamond of every human being is the fear, the resentment, the selfishness, the dishonesty, and the 12 steps are a way to clean that up so that that way we can, God can shine through us, out of us, into the dark world of the sick and suffering newcomer. You know, that analogy has made a ton of sense for me. So I don't even look at, it's really in those shadow moments where my, my defects of character own me that the greatest opportunity for change comes. You know, they talk about pain being the touchstone of spiritual growth it's only there that i can see my brokenness and it's where god enters most clearly is through, through the, the wounds wound. right and i and i get to surrender those wounds and after i've had some successes with that right i become more privy to that process i surrender faster and over time i can shorten the process by way in which i can grow and change yeah. that seems to work very very well so I'm glad we both have no more defects. Oh yeah, character. absolutely. I'm I'm a perfect human being <laughs> until like five minutes from now. Kill my, <laughs> killing it. Yeah. So I know this has been a really great talk, and uh, we will see you guys again next week. Again, thank you, Bree. Thanks for being here, Rocky. We will talk to you guys soon.